look forward to what God has for us this evening. I'm going to begin by reading one verse of scripture for our text, uh, and then we will uh, keep our Bibles open, and we'll be looking uh, towards the beginning of the chapter uh, throughout the message tonight, uh, Romans chapter number 1. And while you're turning there, let's look forward to a great weekend. It's hard to believe our, the year is, is quickly coming to an end. And uh, God's given us a great year, and I'm looking forward to 2020 and beyond what God has for us. And I certainly believe great days are ahead uh, for us as a church, and I want to be a part of everything God wants to do. Romans 1 and verse number 16, a familiar verse of Scripture, and the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What a great verse of Scripture. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. How many of you are saved tonight? It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in which we have our salvation. Uh, it's not uh, the Ten Commandments, although that's Bible. It's not uh, some uh, group of beliefs that men got together and put together. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the gospel of Christ to everyone that believeth. Well, there's, there's, a lot of doc, there's a lot of groups and churches out there that if they just read the Bible, they'd realize that, uh, you know, to everyone that believeth. Uh, and I'm thankful that the gospel is for every individual. Notice what Paul says at the beginning of that verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You know, we live in a day when words are cheap. Cheap. Uh, like you can put on a t-shirt that says, I have decided. And that means that, I mean, I mean, I am the next apostle because I wear a t-shirt that says, I have decided. We can wear a bracelet that says WWJD, and that says it all for us. We can say, Pastor, I'll be in church on Sunday. Oh, um, Merry Christmas. Uh, we can, we just live in a society when words are cheap. Uh, you know, we, in, in light of what's going on in the political realm, we get upset, and we should, when an elected official takes an oath, and they're just words. But let's break that down to us as Christians. Say, Pastor, what are you getting to? Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. These were not just words. This was not a bumper sticker. This was not a bio on a social media account. This was something that he was prepared to die for. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Say, so, well, well, Pastor, I, I, that's, that puts me on the spot. Well, when it comes to the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you think it's okay to be put on the spot? 
So I, I, I don't know if I'm ashamed. I, I, I don't know if I, if, if I, I don't think I'm ashamed. Well, I don't want us to live by cheap words. And a lot of the emphasis I put in my, in my preaching, a lot of my thinking and pre- preparation for messages, what I want from all of us is I don't want us to live by cheap words. I want us, when we, when, we, when we stand before Christ one day and give an account, I want our lives to have matched up to what our words said. I want the fact that it says Baptist on the church side mean we operate as Baptist on the inside. Uh, I hope this makes, makes sense tonight. Tonight I want to teach on this subject. Evidence, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Evidence... Of, uh, why, of Paul, evidence that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Thank you for the word of God. May we listen intently. May the Holy Spirit of God uh, teach us, strengthen us. May we be edified by the Bible tonight. May we be convicted, challenged. Uh, Father, may your will be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The gospel, very simply put, is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that Christ came. We're celebrating the birth of Christ at the Christmas season, and we know that Christ came with a purpose. Uh, he came with a purpose to pay man's sin debt, uh, to make a way for you and I to have our fellowship restored with our Heavenly, with, 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 with our heavenly Father now, uh, to give us a way to not have to pay for our own sin debt. Uh, that was his purpose. That is the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Paul was a recipient of the power of the gospel. We know the life that Paul lived before he was saved. Paul was a wicked man. Paul was a persecutor. Paul was a uh, one who martyred the church. He murdered Christians. He imprisoned Christians. It was Paul, known as Saul, who held the coats of those that stoned the deacon Stephen. It was Paul who had the authority, the, the, the legal authority granted by the church and, and by the government to imprison the church, imprison Christians. He was not a man who would be called a good man. He had experienced the power of the gospel. If the gospel was powerful enough to save Paul, it's powerful enough to save you and I. It's the power of the gospel. It's the death, the burial, the resurrection. Paul was a recipient of the power of the gospel. If you study the life and ministry of Paul, you know Paul never got got over what God did for him. He never got over his salvation. He never got over what he deserved. He never lost sight of what he deserved, but yet what he was getting because of that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on that, on, that, on that faithful day in his life, he never got over what the gospel did for him. And by the way, it's not the message tonight, but you and I should never get over that either. But he, he experienced the power of the gospel. And if you're saved tonight, you didn't save yourself. You didn't turn over a new leaf. You didn't check off some New Year's resolutions and experience salvation, no, you had to have the same power, the gospel. You've experienced it. Tonight, my Bible study is, of course, anytime we can emphasize what God has done for us, we ought to do it. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. See, the 
gospel was not accepted by the religion of that day. But Paul still wasn't ashamed. The gospel was controversial as it is in this day. But Paul was not ashamed. The gospel was not academic. What do you mean? You just have to put your faith in what Christ did? You don't have to have degrees behind your name. You don't have to. I think of the, of the book of Acts, these, these ignorant and unlearned men. They weren't smart enough to be Christians. The gospel is not academic. But Paul still said, I'm not ashamed. The gospel was controversial. The gospel was not academic. The gospel uh, was not accepted by society. The gospel brought with it persecution, yet Paul still said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I asked you a question before I prayed and before I gave the title of evidence, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. I asked the question, are you ashamed of the gospel? If we think of that question on the surface, we might say, how could somebody be possibly ashamed of the fact that they're saved? How can somebody be ashamed of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? But Paul felt it necessary to declare he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. His life bore out that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When he traveled from city to city, what was he talking about? What was he preaching? What was his debate? What was his argument? It was the gospel. It was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, to not be ashamed of the gospel, Paul had to accept the whole, not the part. Pastor, what do you mean? For example, he could not just believe that Jesus died for our sins, but he also had to believe that Jesus rose for our sins. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. So he had to take it in its whole, not its part. He, he could not just believe Jesus died for our sins, but... As I just mentioned, he had to also believe that he rose from the dead, victorious, defeating death and hell. He could not just believe that he was a prophet or a teacher who died a martyr's death. He had to actually believe that he was our sin sacrifice, the Lamb of God who took upon him the sins of the world. See, we cannot, to be unashamed of the gospel, stay with me tonight, we, we have to take the gospel in the whole, not just the part. For example, you can believe that Jesus was crucified, but if you believe that the blood disappeared at the foot of the cross, like John MacArthur teaches, you do not accept the gospel as a whole. So if we do not accept the gospel as the whole, can we really say we're unashamed of the gospel? Because I believe Jesus was enough. 
I believe he went to the cross of Calvary as this Bible teaches and he was my sin sacrifice. He was your sin sacrifice. He was the spotless lamb of God. I believe the lamb that was pictured in the Old Testament without spot, without blemish was a picture of the lamb of God that would come to take away the sins of the world. I believe that Christ took his own blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat to, to be a sin atonement for my sin. It was not man's blood. It did not disappear at the foot of the cross. How can we say we're unashamed if we don't accept it in its whole? Do you really believe that all you have to do is put your faith in Christ and you don't have to get baptized to be saved? Baptism had nothing to do with salvation. Has nothing to do with salvation. See, he had to accept it in his whole, not his part. Just as, just as one is dishonest when declaring they believe they are saved because the Bible tells them so, then turn around and teach that we don't have the Word of God because it's not preserved. And we're the unacademic ones. We're the unlearned ones. How can you say, I believe it when this book says that I'm saved by putting my faith, but then turn around and say, I don't even know if this is the word of God. So, Pastor, are you saying that those that would say we don't have a perfect book is, unashamed, is ashamed of the gospel? You drew that conclusion. Because you have to take the gospel as its whole. Faith, oh, we just have to have faith in Christ. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the, well, we don't know if we have the word of God or not. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let me give you the evidence because I could go on all evening with the, in the introduction. Look with me in verse number 1. Now, this is, this is, a, this is Paul's declaration in verse 16 is a strong declaration. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I ought to echo that. But Paul's life backed it up. There is evidence I want the things that I preach from behind this pulpit, I want there to be a life that goes with it. I want there to be evidence. I don't want to get up here and say you got to live by faith and then not have any faith in my own life. Paul makes a strong declaration, and we know it's true because it's in the Bible. His life backed up. Notice number one in the first verse. Of Romans 1, as Paul begins his letter, he writes, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Number The first evidence I find that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, or a definition, or a case, if you will, of why we can say 
Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of, cross, uh, gospel of Christ. As I see, number one, he was surrendered and called. Notice he says, Paul, a servant. He had to surrender to be a servant. Then it says, called to be an apostle. He was chosen to be an apostle. He was called of God. This is what God wanted him to do and have put that call on him. And he was called to be an apostle. And by the way, no matter what anybody puts on their business card or on their church sign, there are no apostles today. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But he was surrendered as a servant. Don't miss this. And he was called to be an apostle. There's two things there. He was surrendered and then he was called. He was, sur he was surrendered first to be a servant. And then he was able to live the call that God placed on his life because he was surrendered. I'm going to help some of you if you'll listen to me. We have a church where we push all of us serve God. If you're 80 and you're still breathing, there's something God wants you to do. If you're 8, you give yourself to God, your life to God, and say, I'm going to live the life that God wants me to have. I'm a very logical thinker, for those of you that know me. <coughs> I'm an observer. I, I, I consider myself a student. Some of my teachers are like, well, that's a switch. When, where was that at 25 years ago? Pastor, I'm dropping out of Bible college because I'm not called. Let me be the first to say, if you're not called to preach, don't ever get behind a pulpit. If you're not called to go to the mission field, I noticed that Jason and Jessica loaded up their container, and it is sent. I know they're going because all Jessica's shoes are in that container. And there's no way she's, she's sending them and not going. But you better not go to a foreign land if God has not specifically called you. Don't ever pastor a church if God has not called you to pastor a church. Just because the church will vote you in, you better make sure you have a call. I would be the first to say, God hasn't called you. Don't do it. And I realized having a call in my own life, how important it is to have a call. But that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is you're not even surrendered. Why would God call somebody who's not surrendered? Well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But I'm not called. I don't have a problem with it. My issue is, I don't think you're surrendered. Pastor, our family, we just, we're just not going to get all the way. I just don't feel called to do that. Don't do anything God does not call you to do. But what bothers me is there's no evidence of surrender. Well, so-and-so or... 
business so and so. I want you to think about serving in this capacity, teaching this class. Well, I, I'm just, that's not my gift of calling. That's not my, that doesn't, does I cannot call you. I would not call anybody to do anything. What grieves the heart of your pastor is a lack of surrender. Paul was willing because God saved him. And he was unworthy of salvation. God called him and, 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 he, and saved him. He said, I'll serve you. I'll surrender. And it was because he was surrendered he could fulfill the call. Most of you know my testimony. I was saved when I was very, very young. I was called to preach when I was very, very young. But I believe before God revealed his call as a very young man, I had a heart that was surrendered to God. That's all I'd ever done. I didn't know there was another life outside of serving God. He was surrendered and called. The big point is surrender. I'm willing to teach a Sunday school class. I'm willing to serve as an usher. I'm willing to sing in the choir. I'm willing to drive a church bus. I'm willing to just live a life that's surrendered to him so that I can be a witness, so that I can point others to him. Quit worrying about the call. And just surrender. I believe Paul would have been content if it had been the will of God just to say, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. But he was called to be an apostle. So there he was. In a, so he fulfilled his call as apostle. So the first evidence I see of the fact that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ is he was surrendered and fulfilled his call. How? How can we declare that we're not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when we will not even surrender to serve him? Truthfully, I could stop the message right now and offer an altar call. And there's many who should come to the altar. The second evidence I find is also in verse number one. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. The second evidence I find is that Paul made the gospel his business. Paul wouldn't be like, hey, we got to get the gospel. We got to tell this world in a conversation we got to get the gospel to this world. He didn't just say, yep, I, believe, I agree. That's good. Yep. Somebody's got to be willing to go. Yes, somebody's got to be willing to go. But Paul made it his business. Obviously, I've never met the Apostle Paul. I don't know his personality. I, I asked Brother Sally earlier what he was like, but he didn't have any recollection. But everything I've studied in the life of the Apostle Paul, I draw the conclusion that he's trying to win the world by himself. Because he made the gospel his business. You, you know, it, we, we have a 
church sign we can put out there, we are not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that wouldn't do near as much good as if we all as a church, if as a church we decided we're going to make the gospel our business. No wonder this world looks at Christians and say, why do I want that? Because what we say has become cheap. It's become rhetoric. And there's not a life behind it. He made the gospel his business. It's one thing for a missionary to come in and present to all of us a need in some country and when we see the pictures and we hear the story because our hearts are tender towards that kind of thing. Oh, we need missionaries. We need people to go. It's another thing to say, I'm going to make the gospel my business. I'll go. I'm going to make the gospel my business. I'll pray every day that God will send laborers or I'll even pray that God would use one of my own children or one of my grandchildren. That's making the gospel our business. It's one thing to say, oh, pastor, I think we got to reach this world. It's another thing to say, I'll drive a church bus because I'm going to make it my business. I'll give every week to missions. That's making it my business. Oh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I just don't want to have anything to do with it. Merry Christmas. The third evidence I find is in verse 2. He says, which he had promised, he is separated unto the gospel of God. Some of that gospel, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. The third evidence I find that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel is because he believed the scriptural prophecies. He looked at Christ and said, that's a fulfillment of what the prophets prophesied. You know what we need a revival of today? Oh, we pray. Oh, Lord, we need a revival. We need a revival. We don't even know what that even means. We don't even know how to get revival. So, Pastor, wouldn't it be great to see revival sweep our nation? Absolutely. Wouldn't it be great to see the bars closed on Sunday? Absolutely. Wouldn't it be great to see the church houses full and the stadiums empty on Sunday? That Absolutely. Are you praying for that? In a way. Because above that, I'm just praying for Christians to believe the Bible again. Have a revival of that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Pastor, I just don't believe that's what that says. I don't think that applies to me. I mean, honor thy father and thy mother that could mean anything. We, I want us, I'm not, I'm not trying to scold us tonight, but we use rhetoric. And we don't have a life to go behind it. The fact that Paul was so effective was, yes, he had the power of God. Yes, he was fulfilling the call. But when he said something, his life matched it. Behind, he believed the scriptural prophecies. He believed the word of God. Oh, we got to believe, we have to believe the Bible and our life should show that. Number four. Look at verse number three. By his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. 
We find in number four in verse four, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The fourth evidence I find that he believed the, he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ was he believed in Christ's declaration. Yes, he believed in the scriptural prophecy, but he also believed in Christ's declaration. What was his declaration? When he came forth out of that grave. See, it was one thing for Jesus to teach that he was the Son of God. I believe if you were in his presence and you heard him teach, you saw him, you were in his presence, you knew. You had a decision to make when you were in the presence of the Son of God. Am I going to believe or have a heart of unbelief? It's one thing even for him to heal the sick, do those miracles, and declare himself in the temple that he's the Son of God. It's another thing to declare it by being crucified. Give up the ghost. And then three days later, come back resurrected from the dead. I've heard a whole lot of people say a whole lot of things. That would get my attention. He believed the declaration of Christ. Say, Pastor, how does that apply to us? You know it's time that we believe that? I think there's a lot of Christians, when you pray, you think Jesus is still dead. Oh, well, I don't think there's any power. No, my Savior's alive. I believe his declaration. Well, I just don't know if we can have any victory. I, I can't get over this. By the power of salvation, you can get over anything. Believe the declaration. Well, you know, all these other, other religions, we don't want to talk about it, and we might offend, and, 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 and so they might get upset at me. And, and you, know how, you know what I, I believe. I don't believe you ought to take a pulpit to work with you, but if, but if you have an opportunity, I don't think you should be ashamed of the fact that your Savior, it's not still in the grave. He, we, I know we believe it. If you're saved, you believe it because you couldn't be saved if you didn't believe it. But it's time we got to live like we believe it. And then number five, some of you thought I was done it for. The fifth evidence I find that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Look down at verse number eight. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. He, speaking of his appreciation for those Christians and their faith. And he speaks of Different people in this, but I thank God, you know, to all the, to all, verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. First, verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of, mention of you always in my prayers. Making requests, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart on you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. 
that I, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. The fifth evidence I see is that he had seen, seen fruit in others. Paul was grateful for what God had done in his own life. He never got over that. But, but I, don't, I don't know if you approach this passage this way, but I read this passage often, and you can really sense and get a feel for the affection that Paul had for those Christians that he's writing. He says, I talk about you everywhere. Your faith is known everywhere. I thank Christ for you that your faith is spoken of. I make mention of you always in my prayers. For I long to see you. He invested in others and he has seen the fruit in others. If we really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, then we should have fruit in other people. There should be some fruit, some growth, some investment. Well, I believe God can save anybody, but nobody gets saved. Do we really believe it? He had seen fruit in others, you and I. It's going to be a big emphasis next year. Uh, We ought to believe in the gospel so much that we long to celebrate the growth in other people because of what God has also done for them. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are we or aren't we ashamed? Pastor, you've kind of hit us between the eyes tonight, ambushed just a week before Christmas. I don't want us to stand before God ashamed. There's, there's too much rhetoric. I would, I would, I would stand and, 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 and give my life for the gospel. You won't even stand up to your mother-in-law. Uh, I'm not ashamed. Paul, when he said, I'm not ashamed, he could back it up. He had a life that backed it up. I want to be a person whose life backs it up. I want to be able to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of of Christ. It's one thing, and I should declare, it's one thing for me to stand behind this pulpit and say, I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's another way for it's another thing for me to declare it when I go out into public as Paul did when he went out in the public. It's another thing in my interactions with individuals. Well, you don't want to offend anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but the gospel offends. You know, there there are times when I the Lord puts on my heart a, a message that's very pointed, and you're supposed to save those for Sunday night. Because you know those people are going to be there no matter what, right? Oh, but it's a, it's a Sunday morning message. And as soon as you walk out, oh, and you're late, oh, and the Lord, you turn on your bed all night long, and, and oh, the Lord just, just turns inside of you, and you, you say, okay, Lord, I'll preach it. You want me to preach this? I'm going to preach it. And then that's, that's, but it's Christmas Eve. I don't know why you want me to preach this on Christmas Eve. Oh, guess what, Pastor? My coworker I've been inviting for four years is here. My, 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 my mom came and, 
And, and she's, she's a Catholic. I've been wanting to get her to come for a long time. You know, and in my time, my message is, is why everything about the Catholic Church is unscriptural. Do I tone it down? Well, if I'm ashamed, I do. Well, it's unpopular to be King James only in this day we live in. Bob, I think I've already illustrated. You can't take the gospel in part. You've got to have it in the whole. How can you say, I believe, I believe I'm saved because this book tells me so, and then say, I don't know if this is the word of God. By somebody saying they don't know this is the word of God, they're saying they don't know if they're saved. And why would we listen to them as a spiritual leader if they don't even know they're saved? Well, that's not going to make you very popular. As you know, that's always been a concern of mine. I won't, when my life here is over, I don't want anybody to say he was a perfect man because they'd be lying if they did. I want them to say he believed what he said and he lived what he believed. That ought to be the goal of every single one of us. Quit striving to be perfect. Quit striving to please man. Quit striving to fit into this world. And may the goal be to be able to say, there's a lot of this. Let's just rejoice in what God has done for us. I'm all for that. But how about we live unashamed for what God has done for us? Let's have a life during this Christmas season and beyond that matches up with our rhetoric. I don't care if you wear a, a T-shirt that says, I've decided to follow Jesus, if you're following Jesus. But, but you probably want to fall into church. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't care if in your social media bio it says what, whatever. But just quit posting some of the unscriptural things you're posting. It don't match up with your... Bio. If you don't know what that is, you are a blessed individual, let me tell you. Stay that way. Let's have a life that matches up. I hate to use the word authentic because the, the liberals have, have, that's one of their buzzwords. When they say authentic, they won't, but we just want the world to see us, to see that we're authentic. They're talking about their flesh. The world don't need to see that. But we need to see some people, some Christians. I believe this. I believe it's one of the special things about our church, and this is a special church. There's churches that are larger than our churches. There's churches that are smaller than our churches. There's churches that uh, have more facilities than our church. This is a special church, and one of the reasons why it's special is because it's real. And I really believe that what this world needs are Christians who are real. I vowed a long time ago, and I don't know if I've been successful. If I, if, if I may, I, if you put a gun in my head, I would have to say, don't, just take my word for it. I, I probably would have to say I, I probably have failed. But I made a vow a long time ago when the Holy Spirit convicted me about something to never tell a person I'm praying for them and not pray for them.
We get in the habit of that, don't we? Well, how are you doing? Oh, they told me. I didn't really want them to tell me how they were doing. That's just, I was just saying, I didn't know what to say. Well, I'll pray for you. I, I, I never want to say, some of you now are thinking, I just told him I'm having surgery, and he didn't say a word to me. That mean, Why is he not praying for me? Well, that's a whole other story. We'll talk about that later. But I want, I want a life that matches up with what I'm saying. Some of you are going to be around. You're going to be around family that you're around one time a year or maybe every other year. And they have heard a whole bunch of things about God and Christians and independent Baptist. Don't debate it. Just live like you say you live. Don't be ashamed of what God has done for you. I hope this helps us tonight. Father.